Well, it's a very good morning to you as you join me in conversation with Chris Hunsinger, the DA Shadow Minister of Transport. As a starting point, uh, Mr. Hunsinger, I just want you to explain uh, the objective behind the Road Accident Fund. What's it supposed to do? And I want to ask whether it's been succeeding in that mandate uh, in recent years. Well, firstly, good morning, Mr. Apple. Thank you for the opportunity. Greetings to all the viewers and listeners. And thank you for covering this very important uh, matter and giving attention to this um, in this conversation. The Road Accident Fund's core intention is supported constitutionally to support road crash victims with financial compensation. Overarchingly, it's been in existence for a number of years with varied success, and the success rate is greatly determined by the way it's managed uh, and also certain interventions in the way that it's described within the Road Accident Fund Act uh, to such an extent that one can describe it as a bleeding fund currently. Its contributions is derived from um, fuel, uh, each liter of fuel um, is then essentially contributing to this fund, which then upon a claim is considered and uh, if successful, paid to road crash victims. Now, a few weeks ago, the I think it was the 10th of February, the Road Accident Fund went to court on an urgent basis seeking an order that the Auditor General not publish or make its audit findings public regarding the financial position of the Road Accident Fund. Why is that, do you think? Well, uh, from the Democratic Alliance side, from our side, we view this application in a very, very serious light. It is an effort to intervene in a natural process which uh, is described in the uh, Public Finance Management Act um, in the following procedure, whereas the Auditor General audits books and then it is tabled to Parliament. And this is a process which, in essence, is managed in the Act by the word must. And therefore, there is just no alternative to this. Um, options, uh, other options in law and legislation uh, would include the word may. But in this case, in terms of all the steps that need to be followed, it is, uh, it is clearly described with a must. The Road Accidents Fund's um, attempt, therefore, then to avoid the Attorney General of and Treasury then as a department to then submit the books obviously raises a lot of question marks. And the particular context is very important then because eight months prior to this, about June, July last year, the Minister of Transport, Minister Fakile Mbalula, proudly announced um, that the Road Accident Fund is in a 3.2 billion rand surplus. And also that the year-on-year -year, uh, income has increased with 152%. So we were keenly awaiting the books, uh, the statements, the balance sheets, um, and now suddenly there's this intervention um, by the CEO um, of the Road Accident Fund then to avoid any insight in the actual numbers and figures of the books. So is the Road Accident Fund, in essence, asking the court to condone something unlawful? Because as you pointed out, audit findings must be presented to Parliament within a month of its first sitting. So is my understanding correct then? 
absolutely your understanding is correct and it raises a lot of suspicion. Um, this, um, however, cannot be just viewed in isolation. There's been a prior court um, approach uh, in April of 2021. The court was approached uh, and the road accident fund was successful in uh, getting an additional 180 days grace period. This is then in extension to the 120 days in which they then should settle a claim and at least make an offer to the claimant. Um, this was followed up in September last year, in 2021, uh, where a further application was lodged, um, simply because they could not adhere to this grace period and um, uh, then asked for a further extension. So this led up to uh, the current condition. Um, and these interventions by the Road Accident Fund and um, particularly the CEOs, uh, is not a strange thing. As far back as uh, 2015, we had one major intervention where the, where the fraud investigation uh, unit uh, task team was simply shut down. Um, and um, this was a unit that would investigate internal um, issues around corruption and fraud. Um, and this unit was simply shut down. Funny enough, a year after that, in 2016-17, the Road Accident Fund had a clean audit. Um, and now again, in 2019-20, uh, they have received a clean audit, and now suddenly they, you know, approach the court not to have their books revealed. So, you know, there's a history of avoidance, and there are particular interventions of avoidance, and now total ignorance of the uh, Public Finance Management Act, which is the overarching legal custodian or watch um, description in legal terms of accountability and ethical conduct. And they're simply challenging this. If the RAF fails on, on let's call it the first leg of its case, um, to gag the Auditor General, the findings of the report they once suspended for six months in order to smooth things over with the auditor general you've just explained that this sort of request for relief isn't it's un, isn't unprecedented it's not unusual for the raf to take this approach it is not unusual for the raf um and uh, they have over the years um you know tried many sort of ways and avenues um, one other element which um, they used uh, as nothing more than a delay tactic, because all these efforts one can probably put under the heading of efforts of trying to delay uh, the volume of claims. Um, one other effort which they have um, successfully pushed through was the option for direct claims, whereas in the current legislation it is quite clear that you can only be represented by a legal representative. Um, and they simply had their own personal interpretation around this and pushed for direct claims, also in an effort then to handle the claims themselves. Um, and it also proved a failure um, because currently um, uh, it, is, it is terrible uh, to experience, uh, you know, the, the personal experiences of people waiting for claims, uh, not just how long they, they have to wait for claims, but also their conditions while having to wait. 
So the extension uh, from the court side last year um, in April 2021 to extend uh, the 120 days in which a claim has to be settled in terms of an offer to 180 days already was bad for claimants. And we would like to see a system um, you know, where the claimant's position is, is, is prioritized uh, rather than the organization, the entity. What simply needs to happen here is the entity's way of administering and managing the process needs to be straightened out. And for that, we need to improve legislation. Now, the government's effort to improve the legislation um, was spearheaded by the Road Accident Benefit Scheme, which was the RABS bill. Um, which we successfully stemmed uh, at the beginning of the sixth term in Parliament, uh, in that all the opposition parties um, uh, stood together and simply rejected this um, so that the, it could not be passed. Now, I've read that the, the audit into the road accident fund concluded that their liabilities um, exceeded 360 billion rand. They're disputing this, is that correct? They are disputing this, claiming that it's nothing more than 30 billion rand, which comes as a big surprise because all along uh, during uh, the RAPS bill, you know, the 300 billion figure was used as a motivation for change. And we argued that the RAPS bill is not the only form of change. It certainly is an option. It is no option anymore. But certainly there are amendments to the current road accident fund that rather should be considered than introducing a second bill because this would have had to function in tandem with the current system um, of supporting the road accident fund. So in other words, we would have had two um, different fuel levies uh, being sort of fed into the old road accident fund and then the new RAPS bill fund, which we simply cannot afford. Um, So uh, therefore, you know, that wasn't seen as an option. Um, In terms of financing, uh, current um, road accident fund is is fed by fuel uh, consumption of motorists, um, and this then to an extent of 48% of um, the the total um, fund is the the fuel um, price. Uh, Taxes and levies are about 32% to 33%. Um, and of that 11% is the road accident fund uh, levy. But if you look at this over a period of 12 years, um, the basic fuel prices increased with uh, 119%, whereas the road accident fund portion has increased with 425%. So this is definitely not sustainable. So two things are not sustainable here. Uh, the fund, and also not the way which our uh, claim victims are treated. Um, and here we have the road accident fund then uh, putting in, in dispute, you know, the, the total number of outstanding claims. And we actually welcome this court case because then finally we could see what actually is the number um, of uh, claims. Um, in the 2019-20 um, financial statements, um, just below 42 billion rand um, was the was the total income, which is about four billion rand per month on average. 
And of that, um, they claim 93% were claims. So it's a total amount of 304,962 claims that was received in 2019-20. So this stands to be tested. So it's one thing to claim that you suddenly, you know, have 30 billion in deficit, not 300 billion. It's another thing to prove this to court. So in one way, we do welcome this opportunity and we will certainly test uh, these aspects and claims. Well, as you mentioned, since it's funded by the the fuel levy, which, you know, every time you put in a a liter of fuel, you're funding the RAF, surely it must be in the interest of the taxpayer to know the financial position of this entity. And on that note, do you expect the fuel levy to go up on Wednesday's budget speech? Um, Absolutely, it is the right of every motorist. And uh, that is our position, uh, you know, that we should take whatever whoever contributes um, is the one to account to. And therefore, um, the current condition, the way the road accident fund is managed over the past years is not acceptable. Um, and uh, it is not fair to the motorist um, to firstly ask cooperation on the one hand, which all of us as motorists accept, um, whether we personally claim from the fund or not, we accept uh, that it is fair to have this cover and this form of insurance, although it is not the only form of insurance and certainly not the only way to compensate someone that's been in a crash. But that's open for speculation and debate in terms of other ideas and and ways to restructure it. Uh, But in principle, accountability uh, and ethical conduct uh, should absolutely absolutely be guaranteed. And therefore, yes, it is the right of every motorist to know exactly what the books are. And that is what the Public Finance Management Act stands for, that the Auditor General must audit the books and it must be submitted to Parliament. And we in Parliament, as the public representatives, will demand this. And that is our position. Uh, And anything that sort of diverts from that principle, we will not accept. As for Wednesday's budget speech, what do you expect there in terms of the fuel levy or other levies? Um, I do expect that um, the fuel levy will be increased. Um, simply because we have a backlog, um, not to be taken lightly, um, but whether it's 300 billion or 30 billion, the backlog must be eradicated. There must be an improved system of management. We need to fix roads because in fixing roads, we prevent accidents and crashes. So uh, the road accident fund should actually be in credit. It should contribute Uh, towards improving conditions and through this, avoiding crashes and accidents through which people get get hurt and are killed. In December last year, uh, the president announced that the Special Investigating Unit would be looking into the affairs of the Road Accident Fund. And I just want to quote here from the SIU statement. It says, The SIU investigation will focus on payments made by RAF to service providers in a manner that was contrary to applicable legislation, policies and instructions issued by National Treasury and payments made in a fraudulent manner. Is there some connection, you believe, between seeking to gag the AG and this sort of investigation? I believe that there should be a permanent uh, task team within the Road Accident Fund, given the structure, given the national presence, given the footprint that they have, there should be a permanent internal um, investigations task team. 
um, which should be linked to a tribunal. I also believe that um, there should be an extension of the checks and balances, which are all part of the proposals which we have made through which the current road accident fund and its functioning can be improved. In fact, we submitted 14 different um, aspects which we believe can change um, and stop this financial bleeding of the road accident fund. I'm also in contact with several specialists and professional stakeholders who are desperate to contribute and to add value to the current situation with solid and firm proposals how the road accident fund can be changed um, and improved in its functioning. This, apart from other options uh, through which the same compensation can be covered, either through insurance or liability cover or a hybrid of these uh, different um, aspects. But certainly there are other options um, through which the situation can be improved. Another big aspect is also the free end of, um, you know, what one can claim, what one can ask. So certainly um, certain um, certain restrictions should should be considered also in terms of legal fees. The current situation that we have is that um, nearly 98% of all claims are simply um, are simply dragged to court. So you have a legal expense on the one side of the claimant, but you also have a legal defense expense on the side of the road accident fund. Now, given this high percentage of litigation and costs related to this, very few, about 1%, actually land in court uh, and go through a trial. Um, so again, this is just a way through which uh, time is, is, is bought. Um, and um, therefore, everything is extended in, instead of, um, you know, making an offer and getting it settled. Just say that again, 98%. Is this the RAF disputing 98% of claims? Yes, 98% on average um, is disputed immediately upon, uh, you know, a claim offer. Is this yeah. the same RAF? Correct me if I'm wrong here. I remember a story of the RAF renting chairs at 666 Rand a chair. And I think that was per month. And I remember 666 because of the devil's number. And I remember that. That was several years ago. Is this the same? This is the same RAF, right? Yes, this this is the same RAF um, where it's been covered in the media um, uh, that have been rented chairs at this. And this is because uh, offices have been cleaned out by lawyers acting on behalf of their claimants um, to, to settle, you know, the claim um, simply because they uh, drag uh, the process out and they avoid... Um, you know, paying it. Um, so it's also a mechanism of buying time. Um, and the only remedy which um, attorneys then have in representing their clients would then be to summons and like claim on assets and then drag out the chairs and tables and computers, which they then rent so that the you know, next summons wouldn't work. Chris Hunsinger, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you for covering this very important topic.